Hello and welcome to the Harvard Kennedy School PolicyCast, an ongoing conversation about public policy, governance, and global issues. I'm your host, Matt Cadwallader, and today we're joined by Ambassador Karen Hughes, a longtime advisor to President George W. Bush, who served as Undersecretary of State for Public Diplomacy and Public Affairs from 2005 to 2007. She's currently a Spring Fellow at the Harvard Institute of Politics. Karen, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. I'm having a great time being here at Harvard. It's a lot of fun. So... We traditionally think of diplomacy as relationships between governments or world leaders. Uh, Your role at the State Department was more of a public relations approach. You, uh, the goal was to approach directly the people of uh, various nations, foreign countries. Uh, Can you tell me why that approach is important? Well, I think of America's public diplomacy, first of all, as as a conversation with the world. And it's very much a dialogue, not a monologue. So we need to listen as well as speak. And so I really focused on several different areas, our education and exchange programs, for example. I mean, I became convinced that the, the number one most important public diplomacy tool of the past 50 years had been our exchange programs. And, you know, we you, leader after leader around the world, I think there have been some 200 plus leaders of countries who know the United United States because they came here on, a, on an exchange program and they got to know us and they saw our country and they saw our people and so they tend to have a much more balanced um, and correct impression of America. Likewise, I want more Americans to go overseas and to meet people and to get to know them firsthand and to understand, you know, the the rich culture and tradition and history of of many other countries around the world. And so I uh, very aggressively worked for increase in funding for our exchange programs because I believe they're very important and tried to use technology to expand them. So not just have a one-on-one experience, but what if you give a video camera to a student who comes over and have... um, he or she do a YouTube video about the exchange experience and therefore share it with people across the world and friends back home. We had um, exchange students from Indonesia participated in a radio show regularly so they could share with Indonesian young people their experiences in America and, and, and share that experience. So that's one area, sort of our education and exchange programs, particularly our English language teaching programs, which I found, again, English language is something that means a lot to young people around the world because it gives them the opportunity to speak the international language of business. And so to the extent that we teach young people English, it opens a wider world of knowledge, plus it gives them a marketable skill. And so I found that that was a very effective tool of public diplomacy because it's something the young people are eager to have, and it puts them in contact with Americans. Again, so English teachers who are Americans who can share what our country is like and what our principles are about and what we stand for and answer their questions. So that's one category of programs. Another category is really our communications efforts. And when I got to the State Department, we really had antiquated communication systems. So our policymakers in Washington had no way of knowing what foreign media sources were saying about world events or about America's policy. And so I felt part of my job was to help capture that as our way of listening to the world so that a cabinet secretary would not only see what was in the Washington Post that morning, but would also understand what was being prominently displayed on Al Jazeera or in a Chinese newspaper or in Latin America. And so that became our way of sort of listening to the world, and that has been continued by the Obama administration, and I still get the email every morning in, in, my, uh, in my inbox. 
I know that you went on a listening tour in, uh, in the Middle East uh, in 2005 and uh, stopped in Egypt. Now, at the time, the overthrow of Hosni Mubarak seemed pretty far-fetched. Uh, for a country like that, which is under essentially a despot, the, the population doesn't necessarily have an active role in, in controlling what their government does. Uh, why is it so important to keep them on America's side? Well, I think it's important that we communicate our values and our founding ideals because they are really not just American. They're universal. They're universal human rights. Um, you know, we believe in rights for women and minorities. We, we believe in the rule of law. We believe in limits on the power of a state. We believe people have a right to, to speak and worship freely. And we don't claim that those are just American ideals. Um, we, as our Constitution says, as our Declaration of Independence says, um, we believe that we are endowed by our Creator with certain inalienable rights. And if that's what we believe, then they can't be hoarded. They have to be shared. And so we stand up proudly and advocate for those values across the world. And I, and I believe the fact that, that President Bush and his administration were so strongly supportive of dissidents and the voices of freedom movements around the world helped result in things like the, the greater freedom uprisings that we witnessed in, in the Arab Spring. So you think there have been actual demonstrable uh, uh, Victories, I guess. I have in met the with dissidents around the world who have talked about the encouragement that was provided by the Bush administration and what a difference that made mm -hmm. um, to to in in terms of their being able to speak up and know that the world cared and that the world was watching what happened in some in some very difficult places. Mm -hmm. And you left in 2007. The subsequent uh, the the end of the Bush administration, moving into the Obama administration. Do you think uh, the approach has been continued effectively? I believe that absolutely almost every program that I started, including the emphasis on English language teaching, including the expansion of exchange programs, including the, the monitoring of news around the world and the providing of the American government's position in response to that news, um, that, that's all continued and been expanded. Um, the use of technology continued and been expanded. And so um, the, the counterterrorism center that I started to fight the information war against terrorists, because terrorists are out there trying aggressively to recruit young people, and we need to counter that. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so I started that unit. It's, I met last week with the, under, the current undersecretary in the Obama administration, and, and that has been continued and expanded. And so I think it's, I always said that America's public diplomacy was neither Republican nor Democrat, but American. And I, I feel like uh, those who've, who've been in the job after me have, have continued and expanded many of the efforts that, that we started. So um, a lot of the talk around Washington now is over the budget deficits, all of the problems with uh, having only so much money to spend. Uh, certainly the State Department's budget is part of the discretionary spending that was hit by the sequester, for instance. Um, is there an actual, uh, uh, I guess, fiscal uh, argument to be made for continuing to spend on programs like these? Well, I believe so. And again, to, to spend on them in a responsible, uh, constructive way. Um, during my time at State, the first week I was, I was there, uh, there was a big defense contract that was almost as big as my entire budget for the defense to do public relations with an outside public relations company. And Bob Gates himself, who was the Secretary of Defense, gave a speech and said more funding needed to go to the State Department rather than just the Defense Department for some of these types of programs. And so it's important that we have a strong national defense, but I believe 
it's also very important that that we um, continue these kind of outreach programs to audiences around the world. So it does pay dividends in the end down the line with, you know, Well, again, you support. know, the, the fact that Anwar Sadat was an American, it was a, participated in an exchange program and therefore ha, uh, had seen America for himself mm-hmm. and later became the president of Egypt and made the historic peace agreement. Um, you know, the, the, with the, the um, how do you calculate that value at the mm-hmm. time that you bring a young Egyptian student to the United States for the first time. Right. Um, and, and so that's the, I used to talk about that in public diplomacy, we were, there's a Chinese proverb that talks about planting, a society grows great when old men plant trees under whose shade they will never sit. And I felt like my work in public diplomacy was planting a lot of trees whose shade I might not see, uh, but but I hope that that shade will be there in future generations. All of these efforts uh, seem to be almost in reaction to what I think is perceived, at least in the United States, as um, perhaps a negative opinion of the United States from the outside world. That's the world. way the press portrays it, is about popularity approval ratings. And that's that's really not, that's a that's a pretty shallow understanding, frankly, of, of the comprehensive role of, of public diplomacy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I really saw... Uh, I realized in the aftermath of September 11th, uh, which was seven months into President Bush's um, term as, as first term as president, um, that that when you run for president, you're focused on a domestic U.S. audience because that's who elects the president. Mm-hmm. And so the White House structure tends to be largely focused on the domestic audience. But the words of a president communicate across the world to multiple audiences on multiple levels, and the actions of the United States communicate across the world to multiple audiences and on multiple levels. And I first realized that as we went into Afghanistan, and that Taliban ambassador would have a news conference every morning in Islamabad, and he would accuse us of all kinds of outrageous atrocities, most of which were totally untrue. Yet, as we were asleep in Washington, that news would play out across the world and was never confronted. Or So we had to set up information centers to begin rebutting him in real mm-hmm. time. And we set up centers in Islamabad and London where we would, could respond to the news in a better way in real time. I encouraged our ambassadors and our, our public affairs officers at embassies around the world to speak out. And I think that's really important for our country. You know, in Washington, there's always a there's always a desire to want to control things, and so a, a desire to nobody say anything. We'll just let the secretary address that. With the with the huge explosion of media outlets around the world, that's no mm-hmm. longer an effective strategy. We have to let our ambassadors, you know, deal with the media in the countries where they're representing our country. Mm-hmm. That's one way of them engaging with the publics in those countries, and I think it's really important for for our relations with the rest of the world. What do you think is underpinning some of the resentment that does exist out there? Um, the, certainly, there have been things that the world has not looked kindly upon in the United States for um, in the past. Um, is it those kinds of uh, past actions that influence, uh, you know, those negative attitudes? Or? Well, you know, it's really interesting. When I was in the administration, the world was outraged about Guantanamo. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting that in President Obama's second term, Guantanamo is still open and you don't hear anything about it mm-hmm. much anymore. So, so it's, it's, you know, I think there's different sets of standards. I mean, clearly, um, there are policy disagreements. I mean, country, no matter how much you communicate, no matter how effectively you communicate, no matter how much outreach you do, some countries will decide they're opposed to a policy decision the United States made, and their population may not like that policy decision. But I think it's helped if they at least understand the rationale 
if they hear the reasons, if they hear why the United States feels like it needs to act, mm -hmm. if they understand why it, the United States feels it's in the best interest of the world community that the United States took that action. And so I think, again, you know, it's, it's like a marriage. Mm -hmm. um, you, you can act and never explain yourself, and your spouse probably builds up resentment. Mm -hmm. um, if, you, if you act and explain yourself, even if your spouse doesn't always agree with the decision, but you try to communicate around it and explain how you feel about it, um, it, it works, it improves the relationship. And I think that's, that's true with, with countries' um, relationships as well. John Kerry was just nominated and approved as the new Secretary of State. What do you see as the unique challenges that he has before him for the next uh, four years? Well, I mean, obviously the challenges the country faces, the, the threat of, a, of Iran continuing to pursue a nuclear program, mm -hmm. the, the, the ongoing violence and uh, uh, murder of, of thousands of, of people in Syria, um, uh, our relationship uh, with a rising China, um, our relationship with, you know, with our longtime allies and friends. And mm -hmm. so um, obviously still bringing um, President Obama has, has largely uh, followed President Bush's plans that were in place to conclude the, the wars and begin to conclude the wars in, in first Iraq and, and now Afghanistan. Um, and so, there, you know, it's a, it's a complex world. I, I remember being at the State Department and the morning staff meetings were just fascinating. You know, you'd be at a long table and there'd be about 35 people and each one of them would report on something on there was some new crisis or some new policy conflict or some new border dispute. Um, and, and so it's a, it's a fascinating place to work, the State Department. And mm -hmm. uh, I, w I wish him all the best on behalf of our country. Well, Ambassador Karen Hughes, thank you so much for being on PolicyCast today. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. You've been listening to PolicyCast, a production of Harvard Kennedy School. More information can be found at hkspolicycast.org.